Welcome to Cold Water Hot Coffee, disciplines for starting your day with clarity and purpose. I'm Nate Scharf. I'm your host. If you've been looking for ways to get inspired, if you've been looking for a way to get your head off your pillow in the morning without groaning, if you question why you're here or what you're doing or how you ended up with the life you're living, you've come to the right place. This podcast exists to invigorate your mood and clarify your mission. Welcome to Cold Water Hot Coffee, a cold slap start to your day to get you awake and alive. This is episode 10. In episode six, we dove into service and we talked about supporting concepts like selflessness and willingness. Today, in episode seven, I'm excited to bring in Miriam Mizzle Alabudi, my beloved, my life partner, my muse. Miriam has spent 34 years as a speech therapist helping people recover from brain injury and stroke and regain their speech. I've watched her do this work. It is time-consuming patient work, and she's very good at what she does. Miriam, thank you for being here in our kitchen today. So we're talking about service, and the question I wanted to ask uh, for you, what does service mean to you, and, and why do you do it? Service is when you provide help to others to overcome a barrier in their life at a point in their life when that is needed. Service is when you hold somebody else up, you're actually strengthening yourself. Mm. So you, in the act of giving from yourself, you are providing strength to you and strength to the person that you are providing that help for. So it is never a one-way street. I think people may think it is a barrier because they feel like, oh, I'm giving from myself. I don't have the time to provide this. I don't have a time to volunteer. I don't have a time to step in. I don't have the time to drive a long distance to go and help somebody do something. I could be doing this instead. But these things that we do help us become better as human beings. And everything that we do is a learning opportunity about ourselves as well as others. Interesting. So so your get in service is that it's helping you become a better person at the same time. So don't you ever get tired? Like, how do you do this type of work when you're exhausted and you don't want to? So like, how do you move through the resistance, especially when there's times when you might have had a tough day yourself? You've had a bad day, you've had a tough day, and you've got to shed all of that and be there for somebody else. How do you how do you do that? Actually, it can make a tough day become easier because then the you're not focused on self, you're focused on someone else. And the, yeah, I've been lucky enough to help people from pediatrics to geriatrics along the span of our lifetimes. And it's been instructive of what to expect in my own life and to be grateful for things that I do have, as well as learning from the power and the strength of others when they overcome barriers that you don't think you could even overcome yourself. You know, the watching somebody who's been in a coma for two weeks uh, go through the task of rehabilitating their speech, their writing, their reading, going through college, taking graduate classes again, and then seeking employment. Those things seem hard enough without having a severe, profound mm-hmm. injury and 
dealing with pain and other things along the, that road. So there's a lot to learn by watching others and how much humor, positivity, and perspective and faith help people overcome these things. Mm. And then that helps guide you as a human being as well, because you're learning from others, even though you're helping others. Mm. You're learning what it is, this path that we're going through in life and choices that we make that can help us heal. Not practicing pain, not practicing negativity, not practicing getting stuck in ruts that don't take us anywhere and how those people do better than with the overall outcome than those who get stuck. So misery sometimes is a choice. Mm. So 34 years as a speech therapist, I think many people don't know about this field because it's kind of a hidden field of people who, helping people uh, rehabilitate their ability to speak from stroke, from brain injury. What's some of, the, what's some of your training and background that led you an interest that led you to this career? I switched to being a speech therapist during my junior year because I needed to stay home and help my father. So I actually chose it as to between engineering or speech therapy, since those are, those were the two top ranked um, majors. And the reason I stayed home is my father had had a heart attack and had a mini stroke that was a transient ischemic attack that passed. But my worry was that, you know, that he'd have a big one. And so I stayed and I went to college for my undergraduate and then my graduate degree in speech and language therapy and audiology. The degree can, can help you working with children, adults who suffer from difficulties with communication, whether it be speech production, stuttering, voice as well as cognitive and language processing issues that affect communication. And that can be something you're born with or due to an accident, or it could be something that is due to a degenerative disorder of some sort. So the neurological piece uh, interplays. And treating people from pediatrics to geriatrics, I've come to realize it's all a process, that there's a lot of similarities. And if we just think of the way the brain functions and the difficulties that we're having are processes, then we can step in anywhere along that continuum and help. So using the person's strengths uh, to overcome their difficulties, putting in the missing pieces so that they can take the next step. So putting in whatever it is, whether it's from motor speech disorder to a cognitive deficit to a memory deficit to a linguistic processing issue to swallowing deficit. The skill set is to know what to put in at the right amount to get them to produce communication in a balanced way. And that includes technology as well, providing augmentative communication to help people overcome their difficulties with communication. So the for me, I've, I've always challenged myself to learn one thing new each year so that I have more to offer the people that I help. How do you, I mean, you're, you're getting people at their most vulnerable moment, right? So I know you've worked with CEOs and high-level executives who are basically learning how to talk again and learning how to function again. How do you, how do you build trust with people in these, when they're at their most vulnerable? You're coming into people's life or into a family's life, if it is a child, during a time of mourning, loss, 
a catastrophe and you have to know your boundaries. You have to know not to cross their dignity anywhere along the line because they're going to be a different human being later on. And so like, for example, when somebody's coming out of a coma and they're, they're ripping their clothes off, they're biting, uh, they're maybe cursing, you have to respect the vulnerability of that human being at that point and treat them with dignity because that's what helps them come along. And that's what you'd expect for someone to treat you. And that's what you would expect us for someone to treat somebody in your family. And if you come from that perspective, you can't go wrong. If you see yourself as other and they are the patient and you are the therapist and you don't see your humanity as one united and we're on a continuum of this can happen to me, then you lose the perspective of understanding that this is a stage they're going through and this is not them. And it's important also when treating people who have had a full life and have had a loss or dementia to respect that dignity of the the person as well and not to be telling, oh, no, you got that answer wrong or, oh, 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 oh. We are all going to be going through these stages and ages, through our different ages. And But for the grace of God go I, it's important to remember that any of these children, any of these adults can be a member of your family and, and they are part of you. And we have this shared humanity that you, we should give what we expect someone to give to us or should give to us. Mm. And that bringing peace in this world is bringing peace to every soul that we are working with. That's really powerful. I like, I like what you said about the shared humanity and ages and stages. So that's, that reminds me of just the humility of being able to be in service to others. So obviously you do this in English and you've been in America for a long time, but you identify as an Iraqi woman and you uh, grew up Iraqi and you speak Arabic. Have you, you've probably had to work with different families with different cultural backgrounds. Anything from a therapy standpoint in, in dealing with different family cultures? Well, cultures are not just ethnic cultures, uh, cultures, people within the same ethnic cultures can have variation also based on their philosophy or whether they think of themselves as more Western or more Eastern in their, their thought or how they identify. I think the most important thing in whomever we are working with is to sit back and listen and observe and meet them at where they're at. Some people, faith is very important. Religion is very important. And you need to respect that in their recovery and process. Other people have different views. The most important thing is to not try to take anything away, but you are stepping in to provide that extra help at where they're at, whatever is appropriate or relevant culturally to them. And that means you do your homework. Observe, come in where you're needed, don't impose your views. Build upon where where their cultural belief is, augment it, provide your help. You're not there to change anything because we're we're not missionaries. We're not there to change anything. We are there to help people rebuild their lives to the life that they chose and they live. I like that. I like about not imposing your own agenda. And I think with service, oftentimes we can do that, right? We have a certain idea of how we're going to go help somebody, but there's that importance of actually meeting them where they're at, where they are at. And respecting the belief system, whatever that belief system is. And that's what I'm saying 
about do your homework is religions are not all exactly the same. Even if, let's say, somebody's Muslim, there's so many different branches. You know, Hinduism, so many different colors to that. Buddhist, so many different colors. You have to observe how they practice it and what they actually believe. Don't come with your preconceived notions of what their culture, cultural beliefs and practices are. Take the time to observe and listen. People will tell you what they need, whether it be kosher foods while we're doing swallowing therapy, to more complex stuff that they need. Oftentimes I use uh, prayers that they have memorized or songs that they've memorized to help them retrieve their words. So I have to be cognizant of what those prayers might be or songs might be, or, you know, it's various, varied depending on the culture. And you just have to take, take their lead and follow their lead and respect, you know, their boundaries. I love that. So they're really holistically being therapists for the entire, the entire person. I understand you're going to be retiring soon. And I know you have other talents and interests for 34 years in service. What's next for you? Where, where would you see your next chapter be for you as far as how you want to continue to leave a mark in this world? Well, the interesting thing, back in my 20s, I thought, okay, so we're going to do this speech therapy thing until, and then I'll get to do my art. Then I will get to make that shift. And all along the way, I've done sculpting and done some public works and then been painting and writing. And what I realized this life that I've lived sharing in other people's recovery is helped me build a, a body of work in my own head and writings that I've been working on and paintings that I've been write, working on. So the insights that it's given me is only strengthened the depth of where my art can go and where my art is. So if I didn't have the opportunity to observe the things that I did observe, I wouldn't have the same perspective that I have now as an artist. So I think the what is yet to come is just having the time to convert all of those etches into and drawings into the full paintings, to convert those sculptures into completed complex works. So it's the time. There isn't enough time in the day to do everything to perfection. So you just change the focus. I like that. I know I'll be excited to have some, uh, when I walk into your art studio in our house, to see some of those statues actually finally getting hands. And and uh, how do I say this? Uh, they'll, they'll be anatomically complete. And <laughs> um, I so appreciate you. I thank you for being my guest on Cold Water Hot Coffee. I love you so much. I appreciate you. It's a joy to have you in my life. Thanks for sharing with our listeners and talking about service. Well, thank you so much. It actually was fun. But next time, maybe it will be after a cup of coffee when my brain was less tired. 